T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Home and home. 31 unanswered points, then 21 unanswered points. Last night in the fourth quarter is Kyle Shanahan, a young and brilliant and bright future head coach. Is he to blame for the Niners losing the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter? The play calling down the stretch was certainly notable what were the best and worst commercials of the super bowl and what about that halftime show are ross tucker and i just too prude or was there too much crotch grabbing from shakila shakira shakila and j-lo it's a super monday home and home a radio.com sports original and we're brought to you by zip recruiter you got to check them out it's ZipRecruiter.com slash enter they are the smartest way too higher in 2020. I'm Dave Briggs. I'm home in Connecticut and Ross Tucker's in Pennsylvania. And the question we asked you to start the morning at RDC home and home, please follow us. And as well, check us out on iTunes, give us a review or click that subscribe button. We would appreciate all of that. The question on our Twitter feed this morning, should the Monday after the Super Bowl be a holiday or should the NFL move the Super Bowl to Saturday Right now, it is Super Bowl Saturday in the league. Ross Tucker, what's your preference? Or do you like it the way it is? Um, it's a good question. I, I, I don't have a strong opinion on this. I don't want Super Bowl Saturday. I would say that. I don't want Super Bowl Saturday. Why? Because I like... In my role as a broadcaster, I like the immediacy of being able to talk about it the very next day, Monday morning. No matter what you say, if it was on Saturday, I think it loses a little bit of the luster for Monday. I mean, it's still what we're talking about, but I like that it just happened last night and we're already talking about it this morning. In terms of the day off, I guess on some level, who says no to that? Like, oh, yeah, another day off. Sure, another day Doesn't really affect my life. I'm working today either way. And, again, selfishly, if everybody has a day off, then a lot of them aren't listening to us on their commute to work or aren't watching us or whatever. They're not in their normal routine. So, um, I don't know. I certainly wouldn't want it at the expense of another holiday. I, I don't I don't really care that much. I mean, honestly, Dave, I'm working anyway. So, like, I don't know. Well, we could get rid of Columbus Day. Let's just be clear about that. That's one holiday we could probably do without. I, I prefer a Super Bowl Saturday. And every year there's a change.org petition calling for the NFL to move the Super Bowl to Saturday. And I come at this like I do a lot of subjects as a fan and mostly as a parent. Now, there are people that would not want Monday off because there are a lot of people in America. Most Americans need the money. They need to go to work on Monday. They cannot survive just losing a day of work. 
let alone the fact that only 100 million people watch the Super Bowl, which leaves 230 million people that don't watch the Super Bowl. So you clearly can't make Monday a holiday because too many people need the money and too many people don't watch the Super Bowl. Super Bowl Saturday for me works, although you bring up a good point from a discussion standpoint. The NFL wants this to dominate discussions starting Monday morning and continuing really throughout the week. They want the commercials discussed on Monday. Certainly the advertisers do as well. And when you talk about the college football national championship game, yeah, I mean, when they play that on a Monday night, I don't like that. And when we have big football games on Saturday night, no one's really talking about them come Monday. I think the Super Bowl would be the exception. I think a late Saturday night game is still going to be the number one most discussed thing on a Monday morning. For me, look, had a couple of beers, way too much buffalo chicken dip, had some bourbon. I'm struggling this morning. So I would like to have this day off, even though I'm happy to be here discussing it with you. But when I try to drag two of my three kids out of bed this morning and they're going off to school with their eyes closed, probably going to be unproductive all day. I think this does not work for most Americans, at least for us on the East Coast, when you put those kids to bed around 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, I don't really give a shit about the kids. They're fine. They can suck it up. They're young. I'm a lot more worried about the halftime show than I am about you know, them meeting today off. I mean, they'll be tired. Good. Maybe they'll go to bed earlier tonight. <laughs> That's nothing wrong with that. I'll say this too, Dave. You know, I like that this weekend, Friday and Saturday night, I went out both nights, you know, had good dinners, had good fun with friends. And then Sunday was the Super Bowl. To me, it's like, it's already like you get three awesome nights, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of Super Bowl weekend. If you made it a Saturday, then you only get two. I don't want two. I want three. I, I And I like waking up Super Bowl Sunday and knowing, yeah, Super Bowl Sunday, you know, went to church, went to my girls' basketball. We're like, oh, you're going to be there? And I'm like, yeah, probably not. I don't know. We're going to eat this. The one wife brought in some wings to basketball practice, knowing I might not be there that night. So I had some wings at basketball practice. You have the game. that I, 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 uh, I'm a creature of habit. I like routine. I think it's perfect just the way it is. I mean, if anything, I would say let's kick the game off at 540 instead of 640. I think that would go a long way if we just did that. But I'm okay with it. You want to make Monday a holiday that makes a bunch of people happy? That's fine. Doesn't really affect my life one way or the other. Hmm. Yeah, I, I just think it's it's too unbalanced to call Monday a holiday. I like the Fox campaign, Super Monday, but again – only a hundred. No, I shouldn't say only. It's the most watched program in, in television history, hundred million people, but you still have 230 plus million people that don't watch the Super Bowl. So calling it a holiday on a Monday, but right now move to Saturday, we have 2,800 people who have voted on that poll and 48% would like to move the game to Saturday. Uh, should it be a holiday on Monday? 42%. Now we don't have anyone who follows us or follows you that uh, does not watch the Super Bowl. I did have a couple of people tweet me after you tweeted at at Russ Tucker NFL 
several people did tweet me that said they had no interest in watching the Super Bowl, rarely if ever watched the Super Bowl. And it shocked me at first. And then I thought, well, here I am in a house where I have um, two of my three kids who did not watch a single down of the Super Bowl. And I had a house full of 12-year-old boys who, quite frankly, Ross, football maniacs, they love and live sports, did not watch but 15 minutes of the entire game. They were running around playing tag. They watched more of the halftime show than they did of the first three quarters of the Super Bowl. Does that offend you? Um, No, I, I get it. There are people like that. I am surprised that there are that many people that don't watch the Super Bowl because I just don't know them. Like, who are they? Like, what what are they doing? Um, now, I think I, I did have some people say that the number's a little skewed because the 98 million or whatever was U.S. households, but so many people go to Super Bowl parties that they think it's more like 160, 170 are actually somewhere where the game is on. But that's still half the population. And, you know, on some level, Dave, I think it's great. You know, the, the Super Bowl football is so important to me, such a big part of my life. But it does remember, like, every once in a while, my grandpa would say to me, uh, Rooster, that's a long story why he calls me Rooster, but Rooster, how are you doing? And, uh, you know, a couple of times I told him how I was doing, and it wasn't good. And the one time he told me, hey, uh, Rooster, I said, yeah, he's like, when someone asks you how you're doing, you just say good, thanks. You know what I mean? Like I just said, oh, I'm not doing that good, pop up. I did bad in school, and I did. He listened to me, and he goes, "When someone asks you that, you just say good, thanks." <laughs> and then the other time, the other time, Dave, he asked me, uh, and this must have been before that, and I gave him a whole deal, and he goes, "You know what? You know what the good thing is about that?" I'm like, "No." What he's like, "There's a billion people in China who don't give a shit." <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was amazing. Both yeah. of those. That, like, my grandpa is a tough, tough man. World War II vet, career military uh, captain in the U.S. Army, retired. My mom, you know, Army brat, the whole deal. But that was, those are the two things I remember from him almost as much as anything. Oh, yeah, I know. That sounds really bad. You know what the good news is, though? A billion people in China couldn't care less. <laughs> Interesting so it's nice perspective. To know, it's nice to know that we all think football means so much, Super Bowl means so much. Half the people in the United States don't care. Half the people, at least. Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess we're just we're just in our own little bubbles here. I mean, although I guess we're not because, again, like I sit in my own house and I look around and the, the wives really weren't watching but five minutes of football until the game got really interesting in the fourth quarter. So I think we do live in a very uh, a very sheltered bubble that we're not we're not exposed to enough people that really don't care about this game, but Hey, you know, to each his own. Um, we are by the way, in the extreme minority on being somewhat offended by the super bowl show. Cause we've had 1500 people vote on this was the super bowl halftime show with Shakira and JLo. Was it too provocative? We both felt that it was a lot of crotch grabbing and no, overwhelmingly 78% uh, 
Um, so I guess we're a bit prude for the general football viewing audience. Perhaps that's because we are parents. How about those Super Bowl commercials? What was the best? Was there a real stinker among them? Let's talk about all of that with Chris Weissman, the CMO of Top Right Transformational Marketing. He's going to tell us all about the Super Bowl ads that hit and those that missed. Chris, great to have you on the program. It's Dave Briggs and it's Ross Tucker. My favorite Super Bowl ad was the Hyundai Smart Park. Chris Evans, Captain America, David Ortiz. Uh, thought that was fantastic. To you, what was the best ad of the night and why? You know, I really liked the Smart Car ad too. I thought uh, it sold the brand really well. It gave you a memorable f- phrase, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, I think it could have used a little bit more branding. You know, they mentioned Sonata, but you never heard Hyundai. But I did love it, especially I was I, I grew up in Boston, uh, so I'm going to be walking around saying that's a smart car all day. Uh, the one that stood out to me was the Google ad, Loretta. Uh, I thought that that was really, uh, you know, especially for the target audience. I think it was appealing to both men and women who are watching the the game. Uh, it presented, you know, a benefit somebody who's dealing with potentially Alzheimer's or something like that. And being able to use a smart device to capture memories that they may not be able to have and be able to come back to them. So that one really made an impact. And it showed me uh, a way to use that device other than, you know, play music or turn the lights off. Yeah, that that was amazing. I'm with you, Chris. I guess I want to talk a little bit more generally. Um, What, in your opinion, makes a good or bad commercial in general, but in particular for the Super Bowl? Well, the Super Bowl, you know, it's funny because the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl of advertising, just the way it is of football. And over the years, what you've seen is advertisers try and go over the top with what they're trying to do because they need to break out. You know, they've got 30 seconds, they've plopped down five and a half million dollars and they have to have an impact, so they have to do something sensational like use CGI tricks or bring celebrities. At the end of the day, whether it's at the Super Bowl or it's in another venue, advertising doesn't work unless it does one of three things. It either convinces customers to buy more product, to buy that product more often, or it builds a stronger relationship with you and the brand so that you'll pay a higher price for it. If you don't accomplish one of those things, it doesn't matter if you have Martin Scorsese or Shakira or whoever. If it doesn't do those things, all you're doing is you're entertaining an audience who say, man, I really like that ad. Great. Are you going to buy the product? No, I don't have any interest, but I really thought was entertained. To me, that's just wasted money. Talking to Chris Reisman, CMO, Top Right Transformational Marketing about the best and worst Super Bowl ads. Yes, that's to me why the Hyundai ad worked. And I'm just a an advertising minor in college is because it was funny. It was entertaining, but it was also insightful. It reminded you why that car has an advantage. And at the end of the day, if you can associate what brand the commercial was, then it was a success. A lot of great ads. I turned to my friends and I said, who is it for? And they did not know the answer. Uh, For those of you that did not check out the Smot Pock ad, here is a little bit of the audio from the David Ortiz and Captain America, Chris Evans ad. Look at this guy. 
Hey, Rachel, how are you? Hey, good, how are you? He's not getting that car in there. No, sir. Look at these two troublemakers. Hey, Johnny, how are you? Wicked car, is that new? Yeah, it's a Sonata. Let me pack it. Oh, you're not fitting your car in there. Chris, stop being a smarty then, all right? Look who's got Smart Pack. Smart Pack? Just hit the clicker, car packs itself. It's smart, it's wicked smart. And I can pack it anywhere. How about Dorchester? Packed it. Foxborough. Packed it. The Garden? Packed it. August? Packed it. Swampscott? Revere? The Harbor? Are you kidding me? I packed it and then unpacked it. You unpacked it? Kid. Game changer. That Sonata ain't got no driver. That's all right. He's got Smart Pack. Hey, you can pack that. He's got Smart Pack. Hey, whoa, whoa. It's Big Poppy. Wicked Smart. This is a ghost car. Big Poppy comes there at the end. Now, Jeep's Groundhog Day won the USA Today ad meter. That Hyundai ad was second place. And my my question about that is, they released this early. So it got a lot of buzz and a lot of people had seen it. Therefore, the reaction wasn't quite as big during the game because people were already familiar with it. Why are companies do that, doing that? And does it does it ultimately harm you in terms of the the real reaction in the moment, or do they get double the buzz? I think that they get double the buzz. You've got 90 million people watching the Super Bowl, but as you were saying earlier in the segment, some people are off at the commercials getting, you know, filling up their beer or getting some more wings or something like that. Social media today gives you so much opportunity to extend your message. And if you can take a commercial like the Smart Car and get people to share it and 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 you now you go from 92 million views to a couple hundred million views and uh it becomes part of the, the lexicon you know i i suspect over the next month just like with the the budweiser ads uh back in the 90s and early 2000s people will be walking around saying is that a smart car for a while now and i think if they would have just run 30 seconds or i guess it was about a minute long at the Super Bowl, they might not have gotten that. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions, Chris. I'll piggyback off of that one, which is how much of the value in buying a Super Bowl commercial spot is in sort of the residual value of us talking about it the next day, the social media stuff, the conversation around the commercials itself. You know, I'm just curious as to how much kind of value they put on that part of it well i think that that's i think that that's why they're now asking for 5.6 million dollars because you get that stage and platform to become part of the conversation and to have folks like us or usa today talking about you the next day i think it's a high risk high return um, move because you know as usa today showed and i think we all have our list of those that were complete failures and there you get a lot of 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 that same sharing and extending of message but in a negative way and it can really damage you damage your brand talking to chris weissman cmo top right transformational marketing about the best Super Bowl commercials last night. I mentioned the uh, Jeep ad Groundhog Day won the USA Today ad meter. Second place was the Smart Park from Hyundai. Chris, did you have a real stinker of the night? What did you think of the Mr. Peanut Baby? My stinker of the night was was the Rob Riggle, Sofia Vergara bounty 
uh, chili all over the people. I thought that one just stunk. But I did, I did actually remember who the ad was for. What was your bad ad of the night? Oh, there were a few. Uh, I think the one that probably was the worst for me was the one that was fixed the pretzel for Pop-Tarts. You know, I, I look at the Super Bowl and I think, what a great venue to launch a food product. People are in the eating mood. You have 90 million people watching. You're going to get instant recognition. And, and that one, it just fell flat. I didn't understand the creative. I didn't understand what the benefit was. And I don't know if anybody ever woke up any day and say, man, I wish I could have a pretzel from the toaster. And it, it just... I just thought creatively it was a miss. I didn't understand how it connected to the to the target at the Super Bowl, and the product itself just fell flat for me. Yeah, I didn't even I don't even remember that one, Chris. So uh, I I guess I agree with you. My question is, I'm with Dave. I thought the Rob Riggle one uh, for Bounty Chili was terrible. Um, mm-hmm. I don't find Rob Riggle funny very often, but I do remember it. And it almost seems to me like you either want to have the best commercial or the worst commercial. If you're in the middle, nobody's talking about you. If you're the worst one like Riggle and we hated it, at least we're talking about it. And we're talking about Bounty and paper towels. And okay, I still remember that Bounty in my head and they wipe up chili off the ground. Well, you know, that one, just a little inside baseball, what that one was is the folks at P&G saying, I've got all of these brands and none can afford an ad on their own, so let's throw them all together and see how many brands that we can advertise in 30 seconds. And like you, I didn't like that one. At the end, other than Bounty, I couldn't tell you what other products were in there. I know that they were all P&G products, but I didn't know what else was in there. And it, 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 it came off as trying to do too much, uh, trying to do too much with too little time. And, you know, I think, Ross, to your point, if you woke up and you hated it, are you going to go buy more Bounty? Even if you remember Bounty, is it going to make you, when you go to the grocery store, say, boy, you know, I just I feel compelled now to buy Bounty? Or will you say, oh, yeah, that's the paper towel from that stupid Super Bowl ad? I don't. I have no uh, no interest in being part of that. Yeah, I, I probably uh, I don't get the paper towels for our household, <laughs> but it probably probably wouldn't affect me either way. I do have one last question because sure. I watch these commercials and it's five point six million dollars. Like, how much time, how much effort, and how much expense goes into making these things? Because I'm like blown away at times by how bad some of them are. And I just think of the man hours and expense to go ahead and produce something that is that bad. Yet there's a bunch of people probably like you sitting around a table being like, yeah, that is awesome. We're going to kill it with this. Uh, yeah, it's there is a lot of time and a lot of money. You know, you think about the ad for the Coke Energy Martin Scorsese doesn't come free to do a 60-second commercial. You know, so you know, the production on an ad can be upwards of a million to a million and a half dollars just to make it. That doesn't include 
paying the talent. And you think about that, that P&G ad, you know, you've got Sofia Vergara and Rob Riggle and a host of others. Every one of them, it's a payday. So you could spend $5.6 million to buy the ad and another two to five to make it. And so you're out $10 million only to have people the next day saying, uh, you know, what a waste. Interesting. And also interesting that two presidential campaigns, both the Trump campaign and the Michael Bloomberg campaign, spent $10 million on Super Bowl ads. Will they get bang for their buck? And any sort of bounce, given when only commercials you're talking about are the ones that we have mentioned before. So that that is an interesting presence on that night. Chris Weissman, CMO, Top Right Transformational Marketing. Really appreciate your insights this morning. Appreciate the time. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you guys. Have a great day. And you too, sir. Coming up on Football Hangover Day, is Jimmy Garoppolo to blame, or do you put it on Kyle Shanahan, who has now blown a or surrendered 31 unanswered points to the Patriots in the Super Bowl, 21 unanswered points last night to the Chiefs in the fourth quarter alone. We'll have a football hungover and likely angry Joe Shasky, 95-7, in the Bay Area to join us right after a break. And you don't want to miss his Monday morning reaction. No, that's going to be epic. Almost as epic as it is when you go to ZipRecruiter to find someone for a new job. Look, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates faster. In fact, you will be amazed how quickly great candidates apply after you post your job to ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Happy Super Monday to all of you in Kansas City, celebrating the first Super Bowl victory in some 50 years. Not so much to our friends on the left coast. Who's to blame? Kyle Shanahan? Jimmy G? Or is Patrick Mahomes just flat out Superman? It's a Super Monday Home and home, a radio.com sports original, and we're brought to you as always by ZipRecruiter. Check them out, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. Dave Briggs, Ross Tucker here, and a man of his word, Joe Shasky, the butcher boy, joining us early on a painful Monday morning for his 49ers. Shasky, we appreciate you coming on. I know this is a tough morning. Where do you place your blame right now that you've had a, a few hours to sleep on it? Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy G, or do you just have to chalk it up to Superman? Well, I've always been of the theory that there's like a pie chart of culpability, right? And so you've got all these different slices on, on who you want to blame and point the finger at. I mean, the reality is teams lose games. The Chiefs 
obviously deserves so much credit. Patrick Mahomes got blasted all game. I mean, he took massive shots in this game, and they kept bouncing back. They fought back like a champion prize fighter, and all it took was that one big third and 15 play. So right there, I got another slice. The defense, third and 15. How do you allow them to hit that giant bomb down the streaking sides to Tyreek Hill? That's just, uh, you can't do that. And then Jimmy Garoppolo clearly, clearly has a big slice of the pie. And I think that goes hand in hand with Kyle Shanahan. The relationship of Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan, the lack of trust, um, maybe the the fear of him throwing another oh-no Jimmy pick. I don't know what it was, but Jimmy didn't have a really great game. I know the numbers look good. He looked like a one-read quarterback in this one, and he had multiple opportunities with the ball in his hands. He was at the 50-yard line with a minute 30 to go, and it was four of the most awful plays I've seen from him all year. He looked locked up. They couldn't throw the ball on the outside of the hashes. And then that brings me to, to Kyle Shanahan, because in a game where you only have eight possessions in the first half, everyone is going to, you know, uh, Monday morning quarterback, the final two minutes of, of, the, of the first half saying, why weren't you more aggressive? I have a whole theory on that one. But I just think it starts with his lack of trust in Jimmy. They got away from the running game where he mostly only gets 12 touches in this game. Where is George Kittle? Like last year, I watched this Chiefs team go down to Gronkowski and the Tom Brady New England Patriots because everyone in the stadium knew Gronk is going to get the ball and you can't stop him. Where is the play for George Kittle in the red zone? Where is the play for George Kittle with this season on the line? And then the final play to me, fourth down, this is the second and last drive. Fourth down, the clock already hits zero. It should have been a delay of game. Call the timeout. Call the timeout. Get your guys rallied. Where's the composure? The quarterback can barely get the snap off. They don't even get a throw off. If that didn't speak to them crapping their pants as an entire team in the final seven minutes, I don't know what else to say, man. Uh, let's go through these sequentially. And I have rubbed it in with you before about 28 to three. Here is Kyle Shanahan, though, on not calling that timeout. And then Ross will ask you about it uh, after the question. They had three timeouts. It was 10 to 10. Um, the last thing we were going to do is allow them to get the ball with three timeouts, especially with their quarterback and offensive speed um, to go in there and score before half. Felt real good um, 10 to 10, especially with us starting with the ball. Um, thought it played out all right. Thought we should have got points, but um, they um, ended up calling that P.I. on Kittle. So they took it away. Yeah, I got to tell you, Joe, um, I, I did not have a big problem with him not calling timeout. I thought with the Chiefs punting it from the 49-yard line that, you know, you don't know what your field position is going to be there. They almost downed the punt at the one-yard line. So if you called a timeout with a minute and a half left, you're really just helping the Chiefs get another score. That wasn't the issue for me. The issue for me was after it was a touchback and you knew you had the ball at the 20, three timeouts, a minute left, to call runs on first and second down and huddle up and have no sense of urgency. That, to me, was the issue. I think, in my opinion, Joe, and I want yours – I think people yeah. are focused on the wrong aspect of the end of the first half. 
Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up. So me and my co-host, Monte Hill, we were screaming at each other watching the game. And, you know, you're watching the game with everybody at the studio. And he's saying, call the timeout, call the timeout. John Lynch is screaming, call the timeout. I'm with you, Ross. I watched this team do that exact same thing. Call a timeout, then get pinned in their own end zone at the end of the Monday night game against Seattle. Then Shanahan threw three straight incomplete passes and punted the ball back to Russell Wilson only to lose the game. And everyone said, why weren't you more conservative why didn't you run the ball so i feel like this guy he just he 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 couldn't win he couldn't win with this decision i i agree with you running the ball in that situation that was just perplexing i didn't understand it the word i use is sense of urgency like you could still be pragmatic with the clock but where's the sense of urgency then you take the deep shot to george kittle that was an opi yeah is it ticky tacky probably but you extended the arm once and then twice nine times out of ten they're gonna call that i i I don't love the call, but but I'm, I'm okay with it because he did kind of push off. and It was a big-time play. I have a bigger issue with where are you not being more aggressive throughout the entire game? There were two throws, Kittle and Sanders late, to extend these safeties. You got you to gotta attack more in this game, and that goes back to Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think Kyle Shanahan trusts Jimmy Garoppolo. You saw John Lynch calling for the timeout. You see what Kyle Shanahan did on the field, and then you saw the lack of trust and Jimmy Garoppolo, and then you see what played out in the final two minutes. I'm telling you, there's something going on here, guys. This dynamic is going to be something I'm monitoring. I don't know what to make of it, but I'm with you, Ross, and I'm, I'm, I am alone in the Bay Area with this one. I said I'm okay with them not mm. calling the timeout and, and kind of rolling the dice on that because, like you said, they almost down that punt. My bigger issue was the set of plays that you run once you get the ball to 20 Throw the ball. Like, just throw the ball. And that's where – can you iso Kittle? Can you can you take a shot over the top to Debo Samuel or Emmanuel Sanders? Oh, my God. And when you lose, man, you got to dissect every nuance. I'm just I'm, – I'm sick to my stomach, to be honest with you. We can hear it. Niners, uh, Mostert and Coleman average five-plus yards per carry. 17 carries, 86 yards. And that equation, five-plus yards per carry, Niners generally win that game. You say – the coach, Kyle Shanahan, doesn't trust the quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. They threw the ball 20 times in the second half. They ran it 10. That, again, is averaging five yards per carry. It sounds like in your voice, you might have some questions if Jimmy Garoppolo is back in a Niners uniform next year. It's just a $4.2 million cap hit. Do you think there's any chance, even a slight one, that Kyle Shanahan wants to go elsewhere with the position? Oh, wow. I mean, this, I think this is the million dollar question. I, if I had to bet today, I say Jimmy comes back, no question about it, right? That's what I would say today. In the back of my head, I'm saying, I think everything's on the table. I think moving up in the draft, taking a quarterback and stashing him for a year is on the table. I think there's a straight up clean, clean cut from Jimmy is on the table. Kyle is out here praising Kirk Cousins the week of the Super Bowl as a franchise quarterback. And then with two minutes to go, is afraid in the first half, is afraid to throw the ball with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I know that they threw the ball a lot. It was cute, dink and dunk, one read type of plays. All year, it's been one read, maybe two reads. Kyle's play designs have been, this is who you are throwing to. This is the play. If it's not there, eat it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, if you watch the way the Niners play, it, it feels to me like Kyle can put anybody in that slot and get comparable statistics. That's not to take away from Jimmy. I think Jimmy's really good. It's his first full year starting, but they squandered 
a massive opportunity to hoist the Lombardi. And this has been my fear all year long. They had a championship caliber defense. They just needed the quarterback at times to be better than what Jimmy Garoppolo was yesterday. And that sucks. He was good, but he wasn't great. Like, he just wasn't great. And they needed somebody to be great to beat that guy, Patrick Mahomes. Straight up. Yeah, I, I thought he played pretty well, Joe, until, you know, the last eight or nine minutes or so. You know, but even even I'll, I'll go back when he missed Kittle. He didn't throw it to Kittle on a third and two. They had to end up going for the uh, field goal early in the second half. Kittle was wide open, middle of the field. Shanahan's also gotten criticism, Joe, for being too aggressive with Garoppolo in the fourth quarter and people saying they should have ran it more. Do you think that is fair? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not just running the ball. To me, it's like there's this weird thing, and I've been saying it all year. Raheem Mostert is your best running back, all right? Now, I get it. Committees, all these things. You want to, you know, obviously, you know, conserve a guy throughout the season. I get all that. It's the Super Bowl. You waited two and a half series to get Raheem Mostert a touch? Are, are, are you kidding me? Like, what are you trying to prove to me with Tevin Coleman? I get it. You like him. Okay, great. Raheem Mostert's the better player. Stop with the roster politics. Stop trying to prove to me that you're smarter than you are. To me, it's just... It's just criminal that you, a team that hangs its hat on running the rock down your throat, only gives the ball to a guy who broke the record in the NFC Championship game 12 touches. Like, that's that's just criminal to me. I don't understand it. You can be aggressive while still running the ball in dynamic ways. Where's the screen game for Tevin Coleman? Isn't that why you got him? Because he's a great pass catcher? I didn't see any screens in this game. So, look, we're going to dissect all of Kyle's conservative nature, his aggressive nature. He, he had a bad game by his standards. And the irony was they were up 10. They were up 10 in the fourth quarter with seven minutes to go. They needed to sustain a drive. That's all they needed to do. And when push came to shove, they couldn't do it. And part of it, it's the big boy league. Man, it's ain't CYO. All right? It was a great season. I love this team. It's a great year. But guess what? It's, it's the pros. You got to deliver when push comes to shove. And the facts are Kyle Shanahan now in two Super Bowls has been outscored 46-0 46 nothing in the fourth quarter. Like, th that's, that is now he has become the current Andy Reid. They've switched spots. It's, 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 it's crazy, the narratives, the way everything flipped in the final six and a half minutes. And this defense played their heart out. But you can't give up 21 points in seven minutes. All right. So, Joe, we probably should have started with this. But I need to know the emotions – of everybody in the Bay Area, Niners fans, is it we we're, this is the start of something big and we'll be back, or is it much different than that? This is one of those losses, Ross, and I, I'm I'm saying this without reservation. This is one of those losses as a sports fan you never get over. You never ever ever get over this kind of a loss. This is heartbreaking. This is one of the, the more favorite teams in sports history in the Bay Area. This goes right up there with the 2002 Giants and Dusty Baker handing the ball to Russ Ortiz and Felix Rodriguez giving up a home run to Scott Spezio. This goes right up there with the 49ers 
falling into a giant deficit in the 2012 Super Bowl, 2013, and not handing the ball off to Frank Gore. This goes right up there with the, the NBA champion Golden State Warriors in 2016, losing on Father's Day. Tie game, two minutes to go. Andre Iguodala gets blocked by LeBron, and Kyrie puts a dagger in their eye after winning 73 games. You will never, Bay Area fans are already heartbroken. Yeah, there's the big picture of, you know, the team is still young, but we know how this thing works out. Even if they go and rip off four straight Super Bowls, which it's not going to happen, but let's just say in this hypothetical world, you still left one on the table. And like these opportunities are few and far between. You, like they had a lead in the fourth quarter, up 10, six and a half minutes to go. They were dead in a water, third and 15. Third and 15, and then you had them third and 10, and you got the P.I. Like, it's just, it's one of those losses. I'm telling you, this one will sting forever. We will never get over it, and Kyle Shanahan will never shake it until he wins a Super Bowl. And even then, there's going to be people saying he gagged away the 2019-2020 Super Bowl. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking, man. <sighs> Talking to Joe Shasky, the butcher boy, 95-7, the Bay Area. Look, I sense we feel your your broken heart, but I feel like you'd only feel that way that you'll never get over it if you if you feel like this team is not going to get it done. Because if you look at your squad as, hey, you know what? We're going to be a contender for the next five to ten years, and Jimmy Garoppolo is going to win a ring. You'd have a sense of, you know what? We're going to be just fine here. This is a very young football team. I hear in your voice no confidence that this roster as presently constituted gets it done. You know, Dave, it's just so hard in the NFL to run it back the next year. It's I saw this with Seattle. I mean, they, they had a chance to get a, 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 a repeat, and we thought they were going to go back the next year, and then, then they fall off the map. I saw it with the hardball team. You know, like, oh, my God, they're incredible. They have an opportunity to win the Super Bowl for the next seven years. And then the, the, the rug gets pulled out from underneath them. Football's mm. a violent game. And when the, you hang your hat on your defense, right, you know, guys get hurt. You know, they're, they're not the same player. Joe Staley's probably going to retire in the next couple of years. The free agency, once you start winning, everyone wants to get broken off and get paid. They want to get more credit, as we like to say. Richard Sherman's getting up there in age. Uh, who knows what happens with the quarterback? That's the other thing. Like, you would have asked me after 2012. I said, man, Colin Kaepernick, yeah. man. We got Colin Kaepernick. We're good to go. We're going to roll this thing back. Harbaugh and Kaepernick, next 10 years. I'll bank on that. Stuff happens. Like, the NFL is so weird. And I just look at the trend in the NFL. When you lose the Super Bowl, you take a massive step back the following year. And it's really hard to climb that mountain again. And then this year alone, they got a lot of breaks. Big Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt. They, they get Pittsburgh with, with a, a backup quarterback. And you, you get the number one seed. So you get to host all these games at Levi's. You avoid Seattle in the playoffs. You play kind of a flawed Green Bay team. You don't have to play New Orleans in the playoffs. Like, stuff happens. Next year, they can go 10-6, and six, right, and not get a home playoff by and be on the road. I mean, that's a downgrade from what they just did. That's, that's what makes this year so depressing. They were on the edge. You can barely – I mean, you can't get any closer to winning the Super Bowl than what they did. It's 
I'm sorry. It's this is heartbreaking. And oh, I want to say we, that yes, they have a five year window, but I just know how the NFL works. You don't. Like you don't. Yep. If you have an elite superstar quarterback yep. and head coach, all the other pieces can change. And yeah, you have an opportunity, but it's really hard. I thought Drew Brees would get back. I thought Aaron Rodgers would get back. Uh, there's a lot of guys I thought would get back to Super Bowls and have it. It's hard for me to sit here and say Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan are going to get back. I want to believe yeah. that. I think if Kyle gets back, it's another quarterback. Well, Dan Marino had Don Shula, and they never got back. All right, we, we feel your brokenheartedness. We want to end this on two light, quick answers. Now, I know that is difficult with you, but <laughs> first, was the Super Bowl halftime show too provocative? Sorry. That is a yes or no question. <laughs> Was the halftime show too provocative? Oh. And we have an even split on should we have a holiday on Monday or have a Super Bowl on Saturday? We have a dead even split. Can you weigh in on those two questions? Well, President's Day is like what? Not this upcoming Monday, as in next two weeks. week, but the week after, right? Like, how have we not aligned this up? Like, let's figure this thing out. Like, we need the next day off. I'm, I'm hurting. Emotionally, I'm hurting. I don't even drink. And, and I need to have my body reset. I want to go back to my bed. I want to crank up the heater. I want to cuddle with my two little dogs. Like, that's what I want to do on this Monday. Now, I'll tell you right now. That halftime show, I enjoyed it. My wife was texting me, and she said, they're lip-singing. They're lip-singing. I said, babe, what do you expect? It's the halftime show for crying out loud. But I'm with you guys, man. Give me the freaking holiday. I don't want it on Saturday. I love it that it's on Sunday. But give me the freaking holiday the next day. I mean, come on. All right, Joe, All right. how old are your kids? How old are your kids? Uh, no, my wife and I don't have kids right now. Oh, I thought you did because you coached CYO. I thought you were coaching your kids. No, no. I'm one of those guys that I did so much sinning growing up. You got to give back, Ross. You got to give back. We played a heartbreaker the other day. I went five on three in the fourth quarter. Three kids fouled out. Three on five in the fourth quarter. We lost by one. And then, like, unlike hey, Shannon, you know what, though, we didn't Joe? gag it away. You know what, though, Joe? Your, your, your team was on the floor. <laughs> my, my team's on the floor. My my three kids are on the floor. So okay. So Joe, that's why that I I thought because you coached CYO, I thought you had kids. So now I know why you didn't mind the halftime show. If you had boys, okay, they would have had to excuse themselves from the room or pin up their Peter because it'd be sticking out watching that. Or if you had girls, you would want to close their eyes. It was too provocative, Joe. It was too Ross, much, and I'm not a prude at all. Ross, Ross, there's this thing called YouTube. I don't know if you're aware of it, but the kids go crazy over it. And if you think that halftime show is more provocative than anything they've seen on YouTube, I, I just I, – I think you're wrong. I just think you're wrong. Like, I believe me. I, I hang around third through eighth graders all week coaching sports, and – You'd be shocked at the things that are on their phone. If you think the Shakira J-Lo halftime show is the most provocative thing they've seen this week, I, I think your head is in the sand, buddy. And you know I love you, Ross. But come on, my man. Come on. Well, my, my daughters are seven and six, and I am confident that is the most provocative thing <laughs> they've ever seen. And I'm going to have a I, – I, I guess I almost – I wasn't with my wife. I didn't go to the family Super Bowl party that people went to because I wanted to be locked in in the yeah. theater watching. 
But I guess I have to blame my wife for letting her, them watch it. But we didn't know. We didn't know J-Lo. I mean, was it assless chaps and then a crotchless dress? And then they're like, hey, let's zoom in on her crotch. And then she's grabbing it. I mean, what are we talking about here? How about just some awesome music and awesome dancing? I don't mind seeing her butt every once in a while. That's cool. But gosh. I mean, come on. What do you want, Maroon 5? Like, oh, put me no. to sleep with Maroon 5. They're so garbage. Did you know? No, Imagine Beyonce? Dragons. Imagine Dragons. A real music act. They've got like two good songs. First off, I love the humble brag of I'm watching the game in my theater. Pick that thing up right there. My goodness. Throw me some of that cash. Did you see Beyonce hump the floor at Levi's in 2015? This is how the Super Bowl halftime should be. It's not for the kids. Like Trick Daddy says, I love the kids. I love the kids. But it's for me, not the kids. It's for me. Oh, I love it. I, I do love the debate. It's interesting discussion. By the way, Beyonce, you just mentioned Beyonce. Beyonce and Jay-Z <laughs> did not stand up for the national anthem. Was it in solidarity with Colin Kaepernick or was it just an honest mistake? It was not a good look for either of them. We can all agree. Look, J-Lo's a 12, man. She is 50 years old, boys. 50. And she is a freaking 12. Can we all agree on that? One hundred percent. And Alex oh. Rodriguez is the luckiest man in America. You want to talk about a legacy oh. turn? Look at the difference between how we look at Derek Jeter after he retired and Alex Rodriguez. They have flipped sides. It is un I love A-Rod. I don't know about you guys. I love A-Rod, and he's the luckiest man in America right now. He's the face of baseball, and he's with J-Lo. Dude, he is with J-Lo. He was on the field. He was dancing. He is living his best life. Joe Shasky, sorry for the pain, brother. Try to get some Thank sleep. Cuddle with those dogs, all right? Cuddle the dogs. Hey, I, They'll make you feel better. Yep. I mean this sincerely. Thank you guys for having me on all year. You know, it means a lot. I appreciate both you guys, and we'll try to go get them next year. Pitchers and catchers report in 30 days, so there we go. Joe, you're not you're done with us, bro. You're not done with us. We're gonna, we got all sorts of discussions still to come. Joe Shasky, 957 the Bay Area. You'll be back on this program, we hope. All right, Ross. So it sounds like, you know, I think Joe Shasky has a good point. If you think the most provocative thing kids saw was the halftime show yesterday, you don't realize their Google and YouTube activities. I am with you, though. I have a seven-year-old girl who is just a little bit confused. She she watches on YouTube like animal documentaries so i assure you she had never seen anything like this but the wives who i watched this game were also uh, borderline offended by the repeated crotch grabbing but look it's all about attention these days and she got it yeah i mean look i i am just surprised knowing the nfl i'm surprised that that's what they want to have repping them in that moment I mean, you think about it, and I, I'm reading the comments to our poll, our Twitter poll, at RDC Home and Home. I, I just don't think the NFL, and maybe the NFL's changed, but I don't think they want 2,500 people to vote and over 22% to say it was too provocative. Maybe they look at it and say, hey, 77% had no problem with it. I don't care. But most of what the NFL does is try to appeal to families. 
And so if 22% are saying it's too provocative, that's a pretty high number. And let me just say this, Dave. The music wasn't very good. Like, it, it wasn't very good. Like, you know, if it was Beyonce or Taylor Swift or someone where the music was better and and it was provocative, they don't, but it was like, do you need the poll? Do you need all these things? I just like, I thought the coolest part was when they were doing the dancing. You know, like that was like, I like that part of it. Like that's, I, I just, the other stuff, it's like, I mean, what was it? 830 at night? It's not midnight. This is not Cinemax. You know what I mean? Back in the day, trying to get to the fuzzy on Cinemax because our parents <laughs> didn't pay for it. But I think I see a boob there. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, this is not that. It's not midnight, and I'm 15 years old, okay? Yeah, yeah. Look, I I, I guess I'm with you. I mean, the, the, in particular, the sliding J-Lo with the crotch in your face was a little bit much for me. But the other poll we asked folks this morning, more than 4,200 people have voted. Should the Monday after the Super Bowl be a holiday, or should the NFL move the game to a Saturday? It wasn't even split as of about two minutes ago. Now it is moving to Monday should be a holiday, 46%, 44% say you should move the game to Saturday. What about that idea Joe Shasky threw out? President's week is in two weeks. So if we add a 17th game, theoretically, Ross, we add another bye week, and then you have the game on Sunday, you have President's week start with a Monday holiday. Does that make everyone happy here? Um, I think that there's a very real possibility of that. I think it's a very real possibility. I think the NFL has always kind of eyed that up and felt like, you know what, then we could really get even bigger ratings if we timed it out that way. And that might come to fruition. I don't think that they want to, uh, although I've seen some reports, Dave, about a 17-week season, but still only one buy because the networks don't want two buys, which I think is weird for inventory purposes, I would think that they'd rather have another week full of games. So uh, how this all comes to play will be something with the new CBA we'll be talking about a lot in the coming months, I think. A lot of discussions. And the number one question we'll delve into tomorrow is, what is life like after football? Because that reality begins to set in. We're going to talk all day. Everyone's going to talk all day about the Super Bowl. But tomorrow, the reality sets in. Although the XFL is right around the corner, they kick off the season this coming weekend, February 8th. It's XFL season. We leave you with the sound effect heard around the world. I'm going to give a shot at it. I cannot do it. Shakira, the sound she made with her mouth and her tongue is just unbelievable. For Ross Tucker, I'm Dave Briggs. Here's Shakira. See you tomorrow. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 